Gaming on the Frontier. This is Trav. And this is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of teaching your GMs how to really mess you up for fun. I'm, I was going to say hurt me, daddy, but now I'm afraid to. PG-13, dude, come on. And we're not doing this for profit, so fun is, fun is the only thing we can get out of it. Okay, welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. This week we are talking about horror and how to use various aspects of horror to debuff the players. not the, Well, not the players, the player characters. Uh, we have talked about horror before, about disquieting effects. That was back in episode 6, I believe, 615 and 616, which was yeah. way back in last uh, April. And we've also talked about horror games before. But what we're specifically trying to do this time is we're trying to say, look, what are your options, which may or may not be in your system? And and we're all in favor of you guys adding to your system and going outside the box and not playing rules as written. Because frankly, you know, I mean, I started back in the days when the rules as written were literally being written. <laughs> so there was a lot of stuff that was there that wasn't considered to be the, you know, that was questionable. It was being tried out. And I think you should do that because there's a lot of good ideas that the um, the people who designed the game, they had an idea of how to play this game, but they didn't cover the vast different types of adventures and things like that. And so sometimes when you, you know, they don't do things as well as they could have, uh, or maybe they need to be expanded. Maybe they did do it, but they need to be expanded. And other games have great ideas. And so it's not, it's, there's no sin in uh, adding it to your game. So anyways, we're going to talk about how some of these things are in other game systems, how they work, and you know, and then specifics as to things you can do to make your player characters feel horror. Now, you know, we already talked about that the only way that you can make your characters feel horror is for them to be exposed, for them to feel vulnerable. Okay, and so and vulnerability and exposure always involve loss. So you know we are talking about can we well we we can do keep this going. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So what we mean by using horror to through the course of using horror in a game to deep up your pl uh, player characters is the characters experience something just so rattling, so just to the core, it shakes them that through whatever rule system you have, penalties are Im are imposed upon these characters. And so, and, and, and as you know, I, I am the resident OGL junkie here. I play Pathfinder First Edition, which is linked to 3035 D&D, and of course, backward compatible to second. And I have found myself several versions of rules to basically monitor your character's Sanity, And of course, in the Tritech system, Rich had the stat of mental stability. And there was a list of various things that you saw either out on the fringe paths or out in space or on a Bureau 13 mission where you started taking penalties to it. And when it reached zero, things would happen. So that is what we are covering tonight. Those are the things that we will be talking about. And we will be going through various system rules who has what i have the ogl rules up here ready to go from the pathfinder srd which i use myself for my games and my players they agree with them they they it works for them okay i told them okay this is what we're using this here um obviously whatever whatever system all of excuse me all of you listeners are using why mmv your mileage may vary yeah and we're not just uh, talking about you know the things that will cripple the character after the fact like you usually see in like the Call of Cthulhu games. We're talking about things you can do to your character to signify 
in a, in a you know in a, in a mechanical sense they are slowly losing their minds you know like, oh yeah 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 the, the example I, that came to my mind was um evil dead 2 when ash is in the cabin all alone and he's going crazy and starting to see all the furniture laughing at him but then as soon as somebody shows up he snaps right out of it yeah yeah that would i mean that's i would consider I would that say, like a, yeah i would consider that like a, a if we were using you know ogl or, or five point uh, 5e kind of rules it'd be like a, a perception or a wisdom debuff where he didn't notice people were coming up to the cabin until somebody knocked on the door and he quickly fired mm-hmm. well yeah because the whatever illusion it is that is being signified where he's starting to you know the elevator's not you know the the the, the or what's the term the elevator say, does it go know, all the way to the top yeah usually that's not so much a matter of sanity that's a matter you know it's like yeah the guy yeah that's more along the lines of a guy's a few fries short of a happy meal type thing or a few tacos short of a combo platter that's more not just lack of intelligence but as far as sanity they're, leaving it's they're just, out of it they're yeah. they've they've yeah. taken leave of their senses i always like the yeah. term scared stupid Mm, yeah. Yeah. We okay. Had, yeah. We had a yeah. dog that was scared stupid. <laughs> oh, so the whole the dog is that dumb where you think that when it shakes its head, you're hearing a cowbell. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would leave oh, no. the room. I would leave the room, and when I came back in, she would forget what I, that I was like the, supposed to be there, and she start barking at me like I was a stranger. Wow, that's a lack of object permanence there. Yeah. 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 Anyways. So let's start talk let's let's talk about these various systems that are out there and in general how they they, they use you know they, they basically imply you know uh, or you know how they how they basically do it how do they basically convey horror through debuffs to the players okay so someone want to start off with Call of Cthulhu oh it's been ages since I've even looked at that system wow um I'm, I'm never what I know so. of Call of Cthulhu. Oh, 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 Jonathan, by all means, if you... No, I was saying, I, I haven't ever played it, so... You're more yeah, of an expert than I. Yeah, neither so much help. I'm sorry! It's a system I've never oh. played! I was trying to pass it off to you guys. Okay, all right, so <laughs> Call Cthulhu. All right, um, uh, the number one way that you lose sanity in, uh, in Call Cthulhu is either by reading stuff, you know, books, forbidden books, books that men were not meant... You know, and by men, we mean mankind was not meant to know. Okay. Or um, it by coming into contact, even seeing creatures from other dimensional spaces that essentially uh, trying to resolve them in your, in, in your mind, what you're seeing causes damage to you. Okay, and uh, and they have a sanity score which gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse, uh, and until you, essentially at the uh, at the end, uh, you know, someone goes insane. The person who normally goes insane is the professor type. Why? Because the professor type is the one that has all the skills that are necessary for reading the books. Okay, so he starts off the final combats or whatever. Okay, with a big minus to sanity. All right. Yeah. And you know the the fighter types. You know the men at arms. You know the the ex. You know the ex marine. The you know the 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 guy who's you know the construction worker. Whatever. They usually have really high sanity scores because they've never run into anything really terrible except the you know uh, someone who came back from the war. My especially World War One. At, with all those people dying from, you know, uh, uh, from, well... Mustard you know, from gas and all that. Mustard gas, just getting blown apart, literally seeing your buddy, you know, having his head blown off next to you. Those people come back usually with a fairly decent sanity loss. That's why they called it shell shock. That's where PTSD yeah. was first... Rec- was They first recognized there was a, a thing going on. Anyway... Yeah, uh, cue the... Cue the George Carlin bit about how that term has changed over the decades. Yeah. Right. Well, I haven't actually yeah. heard that routine, but the point was oh. is that they at least acknowledged it, but they thought it would pass. They thought to bring you back, you know, feed them mom apple pie, let, you know, let, let the, uh, the girlfriend or the wife, you know, use her feminine uh, ministrations. And, you know, within a few weeks, even a few months, right as rain. Okay. None of this 
long-term yeah. waking up in the middle of the night screaming because a thunderstorm pulls in and you think you're back in the middle of the battle again. You know, or, that, you, or you go to a fireworks celebration and you lose it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. One. So that, you know, that, that came later that is, and especially, you know, uh, we, we now recognize, you know, how debilitating all of this is, which doesn't somehow doesn't seem to keep anybody from going to war. But, you know, anyways, like I said, the people that send people to war are usually not the people who went to war themselves these days. Well, yeah. So, yeah. But let's let's leave that aside. That's right. a whole different soapbox. Yeah. Right. Yeah. OK. Now, now, what I'm not too sure about on, on the call Cthulhu system is, you know, as you lose sanity, I don't know if there's any ancillary effects. Okay. I, I believe hearing references um, that you 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 can pick up like traits like you know small little madnesses or or psychological uh, ticks and stuff as you go low. Okay. Now I'm going to start. I'm going to basically say this right up front that. Uh, this is a problem that both the players and the GMs are guilty of, and that is is that they do not role play effectively horror. Okay, they, you know, they, and this is one of the reasons why you have to have some kind of mechanic involved to convey that something actually happened, because you know it's like saying, well, no one's, you know, no one's going to go. It's like the you know, the the comedy routine where he says, mom, mom goes and says, go out and get me a stick to beat you with. So you go out and get the smallest, tiniest twig and bring it back and says, here you go, mom. Okay. But you know, you, you don't go back and get like a tree branch. All right. And that's what the players are like. They're going to try to minimize it as much as possible instead of embracing it. Instead of the GM continuing to, 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 you know, to treat the uh, and his and, and the biggest powerful thing that the GM has are the NPCs in the game. If the NPCs in the game recognize how horrific things are, they can convey that to the reinforce to the players about this. And so, you know, I'm speaking to you GMs who are listening to this. You're going to have to do the heavy lifting here and not forget to keep doing that. Okay, because if you do then they're just going to start acting like it's no big deal. And all of a sudden, you're going to be like, well, all of a sudden, you've dropped to the ground crying and mewing. And they're like, why? He says, because you, you know, you, all this has been building up over all this time. He says, I don't, I don't remember it building up. So, yeah, you're going to have to, you know, do a lot of that work, okay? And, you know, and that's also why these debuffs are important, because when you start adding these debuffs up, you know, on their character sheet, then they start seeing, wow, I'm really getting messed up here, and maybe I need, maybe I need to leave, maybe I need to do something about it. What am I, you know, how am I going to power through to the end of this adventure if I'm this bad and we're only halfway through it? But yeah, so they're looking at their character sheet and realizing, wait a minute, what is this stat you added at the bottom? Spoons and I have one. Wait a minute, yeah, yeah. right. So I'm just only saying, so I don't know in. how well Call of Cthulhu does this. You know, I mean you. And, and, and I'm afraid that it's an awful lot like what Tritech did with mental stability because yeah. all that happens when you, you know, there's a list of, of bad things that happen and how much mental stability you lose. You lose at the most three points at a time. All right. And when that happens, you basically toss your cookies or you feel like tossing your cookies or you, you know, that's about the only description you get in the game. Okay. Uh, but when you get to zero and uh, nothing happens at that point, okay. But when you get to like the net uh, at that point and every point after every minus ten after that, okay, you are going to be and uh, you're going to be picking up quirks as, as as was described, okay. It could be like um, you know we and we talked about insanity before all these minor little quirks like maybe you fall in, you know you're, you're like compelled to gather things or you're overeating or maybe you get a tick or things like that not terribly dis you know disabling right because you know you're not you want these people to continue playing their characters so the gms are hard pressed to really put it to the players in a way that say you're stuck with this 
Now, in the TriTech system, it does say that if the GM allows, you might get a couple points back in a month. So, you know, you could eventually work your way out of it, but for a long, long time, and you're also going to have to avoid getting these things to trigger it. But in order to get to that zero point, an awful lot is going to have to happen to you, which means that these kinds of losses of mental stability have to be common. So you see how the, the system itself, I don't think is very well designed for that. And I had to, I added a lot of things to saying, if you do things like take a day off, you get a point back. If you have yeah. a, a, a romantic evening with your significant other, you may, you you get you'll get a point back, and maybe that two points, a, a nice long you know restful day plus you know a nice evening with your significant other. Okay, if if you um, you know go get a massage, maybe you'll get a point back for that. Okay, going to going to actual professional mental care. Uh, was you know was probably get, got you the most back at a time because you know people are there you know they're giving you you know uh, uh, lithium and other kinds of drugs to help eat, yeah. you know, antidepressants and all that stuff you know and they're taking you through group therapy and one-on-one -on therapy you know intensive stuff to try to get your head to deal with the situation and get past it all right so I added all that to the system it wasn't there. All right, and I'm just saying you'll you'll you will probably have to do that, you know, to these other systems we're about that we're talking about right now. Um, but it's uh, may may I add something real quick, Bruce? Just to yeah, to, I, I want to get this out to you know clarify things and and let people Please. our listeners know stuff. Okay, we're going to be talking probably about a lot of mental health issues here. We are not and because a lot of our listeners, let's say most of us gamers are pretty damn neurotic. Um, but we are not trying to minimize any type of mental instability by just saying, oh, it's this and this. No, we know a lot of people out there have mental health issues, and in a lot of circumstances, there's a stigma. So we here on this podcast are not trying to diminish it at all. We are not going to try to talk, how can I put this, um, as if we're trying to minimize what it is to have a phobia or some form of insanity or a mental disorder like schizophrenia or whatever. We are not trying to minimize it here by just, oh, it's just game stats. No, we just want to put that out there now. Yeah. And so it just, it, I, I, I do want to say that now that's okay. Yeah, I got that out of my system. Right. Just, and and yeah. frankly, you know, if, you know, this is one of those situations where you have to discuss this with your players before you start the game. If there oh, are, yes. If there are any trigger conditions, that's, yes. that's something that should not appear in your game. Okay. Yeah. So whatever you apply to you know whatever debuff you might apply to the PCs, it shouldn't be one of the debuffs that the person currently has or someone at the table currently has. Okay, just because. Or 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 what? What's another one? Um, situations that might cause these things to occur. Even not not so much. Oh well, this person now has schizophrenia. Well, you got the guy at the end of the table who's on meds currently, but also the stuff that might trigger these things. You don't want to bring those again. This is a second. And I have no idea what that would be. That's why you say you have to talk to your players. But once you, you do yeah, that groundwork, yeah. do that groundwork, and you know what you can touch and you can't touch, there's still going yeah. to be a ton of stuff that we're talking about that you can still do. So yeah, I just yeah. Just, so well, yes. And a reminder uh, thank you for that that yeah. caveat, Travis. Okay, but yes, and a reminder to keep those you know safety and consent cards handy. Oh yeah, yeah, them. Oh yeah, that's one of the ways you do it. Yeah, but but at the same time, we also don't want you to see these as insurmountable issues to keep you from playing a horror game unless they truly are insurmountable. In which case, don't play a horror game. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we're assuming that everybody wants to play a horror game. The players want to play a horror game. The GM wants to run a horror game. So we're still talking about how do we do it? Okay. So we talked about Cult Tulu. We talked a little bit about the TriTech system with its mental stability and, and the issues of, you know, how well they do. Um, someone want to take Savage Worlds? Oh, I, it, and, and as I said, I haven't done it a lot, but I don't remember seeing a lot of rules on insanity or mental instability in Savage Worlds. I, I don't remember okay. seeing any, they, really. Well, they are. They're there, so no one knows <laughs> besides you, me. You, yeah, again, you might be no, the expert no. on this one. Okay. Well, yeah. you know, having run, you know, Savage Worlds Fringeworthy for quite some time and also for Bureau 13, um, uh, they, there are rules. There, there actually used to be more rules and then they got rid of what, you know, they, they had all 
they had basically a horror mechanic that they they ditched. Okay, it was like a horror mm. stat. Uh, I think it was called um, guts or something like that. Grit. I forget what it was, but they replaced it. And what they replaced mm. it with was a more generalized stat, which was called spirit. All right. Yeah. And, okay. And spirit is used to basically represent your mental basically your mental stability. Okay, how things are going. So when certain things happen, you know, you have to make spirit checks. If you take, you know, um, if you get hit, you know, hard enough to get past your um, your your the threshold of your your damage resistance, but not enough to take a wound, you go into what's referred to as being shaken. All right. In order to get out of that, you have to make a spirit check. All right. And that means, you know, you're and that's basically your mental resilience to keep on keeping on, even though you've just taken a hit. All right. So and there are things that, you know, and, and that's the number one thing that is uh, that that is in there, though, of course, the 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 the, the debuff caused by being shaken is is really important because when you are shaken in that game, that means that you can't take any actions except movement and talk. Okay, so but again, this is the problem with this is is that it's a very generic sounding thing. I mean, you're you, you know when you're shaken, what is that like? You know, most GMs just say you're shaken. Ah, oh, dang. Okay. You know, I'm gonna make the roll, or I'm gonna spend the Benny to get rid of it, so I can move on and you know, mechanically move on to the next thing I want to do, instead of embracing that condition, realizing it's really affecting your character, they're suffering as a result, and role playing it out. So you know, it's okay. Much, you know, um. About Savage Worlds, this much I know it, and with with the little bit I played with um Savage Ritz with a uh, big Irish at a con in the Cobb years ago, it's meant to be a quick system, a quick cinematic based system. They're meant to, oh yeah, you do the Benny and you grit through it, and it's just left implied that okay, he needs to go take some time, some downtime to get through, you know, work his head through that stuff. But yeah, usually from what I understand from Savage Worlds, yeah, it's meant to be just right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you're you have a diminishment and then you move on. Yeah. It, it, you are you are absolutely correct, Travis. But that is exactly what we don't want to be saying to right. to our listeners. Okay. Right. You're using this system. You're familiar with this system. You want to use it to tell a horror story. We can't just go and say that. Okay. We have to right. say, all right, how do we make this? scarier how do we do it and one of the major ways is by the role playing of it okay but keep in mind when you look at the beginning of the savage world book they talk about some of the campaign models like the rippers which where they've mm -hmm. got monsters you know you know fighting monsters okay and it's supposed to have that whole gothic horror aspect to it and there's a whole lot of and there's zombie versions of of, of savage worlds too so you know, you're supposed to be able to render it, but if you if you want to go beyond the standard action horror, which isn't really horror, okay, then we we have we have to do a little bit more, okay. So, you know, the number one thing, you know, one, uh, a condition that sh that implies to the players that their character has really taken a hit is being shaken. All right, and is and it primarily it comes up through wounding. All right, and uh, uh, and when you take a wound, by the way, um, uh, it's all uh, the wounds that you take, which are up to three, and then after that you're disabled. Uh, they they take you take minuses to all of your rolls after that, as long as you have those wounds. So it gets harder and harder to come out of that shaking condition uh, when you know when you when you are trying to do that on your turn. Now, think you know so. Wounds is is important, but a lot of times, you know, you don't want to wound the characters too early on, you know, unless you you're in a situation where you you have the characters who are not going to be able to heal themselves. In which case, taking one wound is a constant reminder that they are in a vulnerable state, and that's a good thing, you know, in in a horror game. But another thing that can happen is exhaustion. Now, I don't really know. I don't remember how exhaustion is used other than as a result of using superpowers like, you know, mental powers and casting and things like that, it, it, improperly, oh, going, pushing it, 
pushing these powers and then you gain like a level of exhaustion. Sometimes you gain a level of exhaustion for being exposed to cold weather for a long period of time. Sometimes you get a level of exhaustion for getting poisoned, things like that. But the point is, is that a level of exhaustion is another minus to all the things you're trying to do. You, you can get up to three levels of exhaustion, at which point you're incapacitated. So as long as, you know, until you can get rid of that exhaustion, it's a constant reminder that your character is suffering, that your character is under the weather and is trying valiantly, heroically to, you know, not be a burden to the other players, but they really are, but they're still suffering. And it's important that the GM remind them that they are suffering and that they have these levels and not let them forget about them. Okay, so yeah. it's important for the GM to track this. I'd but, say, so, but, well, I was going to say, so like taking this into the to the description of, of role play is, is not just the mechanics, but also bringing in the role play into it is, especially if you're in horror, I would, you know, describe it. It's like, how are you shaking? Well, you, you, you took a hit either physically or mentally, and now you're frozen. You, 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 your, your mind is just confused trying to adjust to what, you know, your new world order, so to speak. You know, this is the new reality. Monsters do exist. There are eldritch horrors out there. Reality isn't what I thought it was. Um, and, and same for exhaustion. If you're having a, in a, the, if it's a situation where they're exhausted from some game mechanic where, you know, it causes exhaustion instead of shaken, you know, it's the toll that, that this, you know, constant fear and the constant adrenaline and no, the constant fight or flight never letting you go is taking a toll on your body. And it's and, basically you're getting burned out. Yeah. 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 But we're just, it's constant exposure to these factors that are just pushing your sanity and your physical body and your stamina to limit. Right. But she, mm-hmm. the, the shaking condition you can recover from. Right. I'm just saying, though, but these other conditions which affect whether or not you're going to the next time you get into a bad situation, are you going to immediately are you going to be able to come out of shake at that time? Or is it going to take longer and longer to come out of the shaking condition, indicating you this this death spiral you're going through to the point where you're, you know, you know, game over, man, game over. Yeah, the technique I might do is is depending on the character. It kind of depends on the horrors too. If like if it's just there is a set horror that they see against them. Like if it's a zombie apocalypse, then you know what they're afraid of. You know what what terror is weighing on their mind. It's about being eaten alive or seeing their friends and family eaten alive. But if it's something a little bit more, you know, abstract or unknown at the time, you know, again, got to go into that uh, Lovecraftian, you know, eldritch entities from beyond the veil that you your brain already has trouble kind of conceptualizing, then you can make it a little bit more personal and or tailored to the character. But what I would do is like every time they were shaken, they see an image of what their their fear is. And as their exhaustion or their wound levels continue, those bouts of shakenness, those visions they see while shaken get more intense or more realistic or more personal and and as it continues on. Right, right. But I, I'm talking about the mechanics of it, you know, Jonathan. You're right. Okay, overall. But we let's let's let's, you know, make sure we come back and talk about how we work this. If you're using that system, how does it how do you work it? You know, so um, you know, like I said, the what the thing about exhaustion wounds is they make it harder for you to either succeed on a spirit check, which doesn't have to happen. You don't just use spirit checks whenever you are, um, uh, whenever you're, you're, you're been wounded. Okay. You also use the spirit checks whenever people are trying to intimidate you. You use spirit checks whenever you're trying to resist an environmental effect like, like, like cold or heat or, um, you know, something that, you know, that triggers this check. Okay. And if you have the, both those things operating, it makes it harder. And so, and that's, and that tells the player that. Now, one of the things that is I find in in my in, in my couple of years of using Savage Worlds, almost never people never do because they, frankly I don't think my players have read the system. Uh, is are called tricks, okay? And these are things that you can use as your action to basically try to trigger, you know, try to either uh, automatically shake somebody 
or cause them to have to make a spirit check or go into a shaking condition. Okay, so think of it as surprise moves or, you know, uh, you know uh, or uh, uh, tossing sand in people's eyes. Or sucker Something punch. That and, yeah. You know, sucker punch. Uh, and in regarding to like this, say the, the you know, this, uh, the horror aspect of it, think of Nightmare on Elm Street. You got these people who are already in multiple stages of exhaustion because they haven't been sleeping because Freddy's out to get them, right? <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so they already have these minuses, all right? And so what does Freddy do? You know, all of a sudden, someone's talking on the phone and a tongue comes out and licks their or across their mouths and their face out of the phone. And of course, they shriek, they drop the phone, stuff like that. And you're like, how did that happen? And what happened was Freddie, they momentarily fell asleep. Not enough to be like, you know, lost in his realm or something like that. It was like a waking dream. For a second, they fell asleep. And we all know, we've all experienced that. Driving. Oh, hell, what do they call it? Micro-napping. That would yeah. probably be a Well, like when you're yeah. driving and all of a sudden you realize that, that a mile has gone by, you'll remember yeah, it. Yeah, that highway hypnosis. Oh, highway hypnosis. That's well, it doesn't term. have yeah. to be yeah. hypnosis. It's just the fact that sometimes you just kind of zone out. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. You know, and it happens, you know, when you're tired. Sometimes it happens when you're sitting. Sometimes it literally it happens, you know, you know, it, it, it can happen if you're tired enough. It can literally happen while someone's talking to you. And then you just you, you, your mind kicks you back in, but you lost. You zone a, out. You a zone second or out. two. Yeah. During that second yeah. or two, Freddie can act. Freddie pulled a trick on you. You failed. You know he. You failed your spirit check against that trick, and you and you thought that he just licked your his tongue came out of the phone and licked your face, which is by the way out of Freddie too's uh, you know the second nightmare. You know, yeah. He did that to the main the main female character. So that's an example of a trick. So, you know, in these kind of situations where reality gets a little bit fuzzy, the GM is a, is allowed to do weird things like that, like things you think you see out of the corner of your eye. Okay, it actually happens. Things where, you know, all the dolls seem to be looking at you, okay? And, you know, it, it just depends on the powers that you give your protagonist or even the environment. Uh, but you definitely should do that. And like I said, these are called tricks in Savage Worlds, and you should use them a lot. Uh, um, another example is uh, in Phantasm, when the uh, tall man reaches through a mirror and grabs a character and yanks him through the other side, okay? What usually that means is the guy fell asleep and he got pulled over, through into the whatever dream realm is going on with the, the tall man. But the point is, is that he was able to do that. The guy is now in a shaking condition. You know, he's the hero, so he shakes it off quickly. But for a couple of moments, he's not able to stop from being pulled through. He doesn't resist. He just gets pulled through because he's so surprised, right? That's a trick, okay? Intimidation works the same way. You know, some guy tries to intimidate you. And, you know, the monster tries to intimidate you, the, the uh, uh, you know, the, the, the quiet guy who's been muttering about something suddenly looks at you with the evil eye and says, you're next. You think I, you know, he says, you think you know, but you don't. Watch out for the Ides of March. And you're all like, holy crap, what's going on with the Ides of March? And, you know, you're, you're intimidated. Okay. And it's completely normal for that to happen. And, you know, because you failed a spirit check against that, he basically intimidated you, and you know, and it's and it's okay, and maybe that's all there is to it, but it adds to that ambience, and it may, and again, if you're if it's in a, a critical situation, then you you've been shaken, okay, you don't you know all of a sudden he does that, and then the bad guys come busting in through the windows and the walls, and you're standing there you know, literally with your, you know, pants down because, you know, you've been shaken by the fact this guy intimidated you. And uh, that may, you may never see that guy again. That may have been the only reason for him to be in the scene was to pull that on on your character. Yeah, the closest okay. analog I can think of to it, uh, for some of the listeners might be like the ju- the standard jump scare in a video game. Yes, mm. jump scares, yeah, it's, it's like, you know, um, in, in the original D and D, they ha- uh, they had the uh, um, uh, the optional um, psionic abilities, 
and one of them, uh, the the only psychic ability, psionic ability that could affect a non-psionic was this one thing, and I forget what his actual name was, but it was described as shocking news, and it basically caused you to, you know, be surprised and 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 it would cause you to like lose your action or something like that, you know. Now. In five years. Oh yeah, I, re I remember that old system, and they've tried to bring it up with three five with the expanded Psy handbook, and then also in Occult Adventures and Pathfinder. I know what you're talking about. I forget the exact name, but yes, right, because okay. they just they transplanted the names over. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah. Now in five e and and other things, they're, they they they've introduced psychic damage. And work, which works really well in the in the D20 versions because hit points and things like that are, uh, you know, they're they're amorphous things. It's not really directly related to your bodily health. It's, you know, it's your luck, it's your mental acuity, it's all these things that let you realize what's going, going on. So, yeah. so lose, but losing hit points as a result of psychic damage, you know, means that you're less capable of defending yourself. However, it doesn't in any way, uh, per se, psychic damage doesn't in any way make you less effective as a, an attacker yourself. So, you know, in some ways, I think it's very limited in that regard. But, you know, it's okay, if you're if you're if you're considering D&D &D and you're lumping in the OGL stuff like, you know, 3035, D20 Modern, all that, are you lumping all that? I'm talking about psychic damage that's, that's in five. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I have stuff for that. I, do you want me to bring that up now, the stuff that well, they have yeah, for it? Okay, or? so let's let's move on because, like I said, I was talking about Savage Worlds. You know, yeah. let's move on to, you know, D&D, &D, uh, whether it's Pathfinder or 5e or any of the other versions, I will defer to your expertise, Trab. Thank you, good sir. Okay, um, as I as I mentioned earlier, 3035 Pathfinder First Edition are all intercompatible. They all use the open game license. Obviously, a lot of third party stuff has come out, and you can just find whatever works for you. I have two examples, and I will try to condense this down because you know me. I'll go down that rabbit hole and drag all you down with me. Um, there is, well, damn you, the damn you, do hell. Yeah, you know, yeah I. Uh, oh god, no, no, yeah. Um, okay, there are air quotes here in an audio medium. That's why I have to say it. Official sanity rules, and they are in the Pathfinder book horror adventures now i do like them because they make you lump your intelligence wisdom and charisma score and that would you have three scores you've got score edge and threshold and as you get certain things going yeah sanity score some of your mental ability scores minus any ability damage threshold is equal to the bonus of your highest mental ability score so if you have a 20 intelligence and that's your highest score your threshold would be five. Your sanity edge is half of that sanity score. So intelligence, wisdom, charisma divided by two. Now you have various instances that will cause you, and these aren't fear effects. They're actually mind affecting effects. So if your character has, oh, I'm, in, I'm immune to all mind affecting effects because I'm an android. Well, then sanity rules aren't going to work and you're going to be the one guy walking out of there. But you have things, let's see. First time a character encounters a dead body or a gruesome scene of death or a horrifying creature, and they got a caveat, well, it depends, like, evil or chaotic outsiders, undead, aberrations. Each time a character encounters a quiploth or other creature with a particularly horrifying appearance, or each time a character encounters a gray old one. And yes, in Bestiary 5, there are stats for Cthulhu. You make a will save, and if you fail, you take a little bit of sanity damage. If you succeed, or if you succeed it, you take even less, usually half or one out of 1d6. And if you get like in one attack that at that sanity edge or more, you have a lesser and greater insanity chart. Now you could pick the insanity, your GM can pick this or he can roll randomly. But I mean, they've got everything from catatonia to schizophrenia to um, just you're psychotic and they will list, okay, these are the will saves you need in order to take and, you know, get rid of them. This is how long it takes for it to kick in. These are the effects, the various penalties, and they even have ways to recover. And it's like, oh, if you go to a person, deal with them, uh, you know, go to a counselor, a priest or a confidant and spend eight hours a day over a week, 
you get to make another save or spells or uh, powers can give healing. So those are the official Pathfinder rules and you could use them with 3035. Heck, you can even use them with second edition because it's all backward compatible. Now I found a third party sanity rules and it involves a new score called Spirit. And usually it's, oh, what's the stat here? Let, we'll use for the fantasy classes. Let's say you're a cleric and it is good and poor. Okay, so you get a certain amount of these Spirit points every level. Now, you can use them to enhance skills, bonuses, confirm a hit. They're kind of like the hero points in Pathfinder Advanced Player Guide. But also, this spirit score is your sanity score. And if you start taking hits, because the setting I'm getting this from, Center Space from Fruit Loops, um, there's things in there with a fear DC, which works somewhat akin to the sanity score stuff that I just mentioned. And it hacks away at your sanity score. Now, let's see the levels. Go back. Okay. Uh, when your spirit reaches zero, you lose one sanity point. Certain creatures have a fear DC. You make the roll save. If you are fail, if you fail, you are shaken and one sanity point is taken. Shaken in OGL is you take a minus two to all your rolls, attacks, saves, skill checks. Ability checks. So you're just a little off your game. Now, the fear categories, I believe, are shaken, frightened, panicked, and cowering. Shaken and frightened are, okay, you're going to take minuses to stuff. You may not be able to take a full action. Panicked is where you flee. Cowering is where you are up against the wall, shaking, going, no, no, don't hurt me no more. So they have a gradation of fear effects in OGL. Uh, when your sanity reaches half, you temporarily receive one mental disorder. This remains until you regain over half your sanity, and they do have a disorder chart. And you reach zero sanity, you permanently receive a mental disorder. This remains until you receive extensive therapy, and they've altered the rules for certain skills like sense motive, and they have another one called empathy, and empathy replaces sense motive. Focus combines concentration, auto-hypnosis. Auto-hypnosis is from Ultimate Psionics. So... D&D, OGL, and I suppose you could use these for 5e. I'm not all that familiar with it, but I think they got the same, like, uh, six base scores, Bruce. Mm -hmm. Strength, Dex, Con, Intelligence, Wisdom, Charisma, 5e. Okay. Yeah. Do they? Okay. Mm -hmm. Then you could use you could use these rules for 5e. Even. And just so OGL, they've come up with various sources of gradation of your mental capacity. And as I said, the shaken, frightened, panic, and cowering, all of those states inflict greater and greater penalties on the things you can do so in in my opinion DD ogl pathfinder they've come up in various ways with decent rules to show okay mechanically because you've been seeing this non-euclidean geometry using being that you know has weird angles your mind can't deal with all, with all normal human vision well, that's not, unfortunately, that I, I wish they didn't do that because non-Euclidean just simply means it doesn't have points like square angles or, or you know, like the, the angles on a triangle. They're curves. They're shaped, you know, they're organic. You know, They're but, amorphous looking, yeah, and just your your mind is just like taint natural, yeah. Well, your, and, your, your mind <laughs> is trying to find edges, okay? That's what we yeah. do. We look for those kinds of things. That's how our predatory things work. So, yeah. Yeah. It's stuff that affects both the animal mind and that really deep what they call reptile mind. Yeah. And so these systems that I mentioned, both the official ones and Horror Adventures and this, excuse me, this third-party system from uh, Fruit Loops Center Space, both do really great gradation of your abilities and your faculties as you are exposed more and more to these weird things that man was not supposed to know. Now, Bruce, you did mention something also about physical damage cutting you down. Yeah, because when you take physical damage in Savage Worlds, then until you get it healed, you take a minus, depending uh, however many wounds you have, you take that minus on all of your checks, all your uh, yes, skill checks, all your attribute checks. Okay, they have something for that in Pathfinder 2. It is called Wound Thresholds. You divide your hit points by 75, 50, and 25%. Now, if you have the endurance feat, it's only 50 and 25%. But every time you hit one of them thresholds, you take a minus one, a minus two, and a minus three 
to everything. We're talking even caster level, manifestor level, I think even armor class. So as you physically get hurt, you start becoming less. That, that was one of the biggest things I had a problem with with OGL. And Bruce, you know how long I've been doing OGL stuff. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. You're at 100 hit points. So from when you're at 100 hit points, you're down to one hit point. You're still fighting at top capacity. You're not. No, I didn't like that. That's how yeah, the 20 works, which is why we yeah. have to use other things to do that. But, that's why, that's yeah, why they, debuffs don't don't affect your hit points unless they affect your constitution. Yeah, but they and still so, affect your ability to make a successful saves, successful yes. uh, to hits and such. So, so if Folks, if you play OGL in any of type of the the D and D, you know, second through fifth edition, fourth edition, yeah, I don't. That, that we just that never happened. New Coca role playing, you could throw in wound thresholds to cover your physical stats being diminished and giving your character penalties, and the sanity system for when the ooga booga creepy creepy stuff comes out. Now, I mean, you don't want to turn it into a kill campaign where they go through something and what do you mean we're dead at first level? But it's a good addition to exemplify that as your body, mind, and psyche and soul are starting to go through more and more stuff, you're going to need to take more and more breaks and whatnot because this stuff is taking its toll on you on every level. These are rules that I, as I said, both wound thresholds and sanity rules. If you do anything OGL, I think it's pfd20srd.com. So both of those rules would be really good for those to exemplify what we're trying to talk about as far as that game system. So it, it just, it works for me. It It's about as much verisimilitude as you get without getting too. And of course the, the, the insanities that are listed also, let's say, okay, you saw something ooga booga, creepy, creepy, and you roll up night terrors, which is just, it's the whole PTSD, you wake up screaming, you have to make a will save every morning, and if you fail that will save, you are fatigued, and you are continuing to be fatigued until you get a full eight hours sleep without failing another will save. Now, if you don't have a high will save, you're going to be walking around in a fugue state all day because you ain't getting good sleep. So that is another thing that once you gain the the type of mental disorder on the sanity chart or just from whatever reason, it imposes penalties on you because well, exhausted and fatigued, you can't run fast, you can't charge, you take minuses to strength and dex. You're, it's, it's taking a physical toll on you, so. Okay. That's good. Yeah. I was going to say, what's mechanically, what's the effect? So, yeah. Okay. So, you're yeah, saying. Yeah. Exha exhausted. I think exhausted is the lesser form of fatigue. Okay. Yeah. But the, the fact that there are certain things you now can't do, like charge, you know, the fact that you are taking, you know, uh, debuffs as in minuses to your agility and and strength. So yeah, that's that's all that's all good for what we're trying to achieve here. Yeah, I, I figured because I kind of, you know, it does sound this. like the sanity system is a little bit complicated and it takes a lot of bookwork by the GM, but still oh, yeah, I'm, gl yeah, I'm yeah. glad it's 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 in, you know, there's that option in there, you know, so that there's can, that verisimilitude. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So um but um Jonathan, what I mean, we talk about various effects that monsters can inflict, uh, and by monsters, I'm also including NPC uh, humanoid characters. Um, what kinds of things can be inflicted upon the players by such creatures uh, in D&D? Well, you have the um, your standard debuffs that just like, in, if you're talking D&D, you have they impose disadvantage. You know, roll twice, take your lowest result. Um, usually it can be applied to your saving throws, so it's harder for you to resist further damage or further attacks. Okay. Uh, sometimes it can be applied to your attacks, so you aren't as effective a fighter anymore. Mm -hmm. um, other options are uh, things that, like, slow you down or reduce your, um, your movement and combat effectiveness. You're not getting as many hits in or... You, you're having to spend more actions just staying in combat if the combat is moving. Okay. Are there any rules for losing those so-called bonus actions? Yeah, because, like, hold on. Let me think. It, it isn't, I mean, if you don't know if there's officially, unofficially, you as as a, a GM who's trying to a, a create horror, you know, um, you can certainly do yeah, that. You could easily come up with something like, you know, this effect... Whether whether it be fear or disassociation, you, this effect causes you to spend your bonus action, you know, 
twitching or, you know, seeing things that aren't there and, and you lose your bonus action that you normally would gain. I could easily see that. Mm. Yeah. Well, okay. what, you, what you could say is that you could say that uh, if you don't spend your bonus action fighting this effect, then you have to make a saving throw. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you could that, leave it. You can still use your bonus action, but you're going to have to... <sighs> risk uh, something worse coming down the pipes yeah. yeah and if you fail that saving throw then it's going to be even worse yeah yeah my favorite um D, &D type effect was fear because you know and uh when you can when something casts cause fear cast fear on you then you literally pick up if you failed your saving throw you'd pick up and turn around and run away for at least one if not two actions which in the original D, &D game was like 240 feet I mean, you could be out of the dungeon <laughs> in some cases by then. And, of course, while you're gone, you know, it's going to, uh, uh, you know, uh, it's it, it, you're not helping the player characters. And this is where differences in additions is really important. Okay? Yeah, because 5e is very different than that. Yes, please refer to our Edition Wars episode we've dropped recently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like Bruce, Bruce uh, sir, may I real quick. Read the effects of the current OGL fear spell. Just oh, go right ahead. Break okay, yes. One standard action. 30-foot cone-shaped burst. One round per level. Will save partial fear. Okay. An invisible cone of terror causes each living creature in the area to become panicked unless it succeeds at a will save. If cornered, a panicked creature becomes cowering. If the will save succeeds, the character is merely shaken for one round. Panic is where you run, unless it, so that means it keeps going one round per level. And let's see, let's say you are fourth level wizard. I believe that's minimum seventh level. So you're running for seventh round, seven rounds. Now, I, I actually used a fear effect in my Robotech game, and it was uh, first son Ramsey's the, yeah, I'm the Marine Sergeant, and now I can turn into elemental forms due to magical uh, experimentation. He failed his will save. He was driving a mech car that turned into a mech. I had to tell Ramses, okay, um, as such and such character is getting out, you squeal around, you take your entire turn, you squeal around, and Ramses' character actually drove for like 10 rounds away from the battle because he kept failing as well. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I, I, would, I would let them stay in the vehicle instead of saying you jump out of your vehicle and start running on your feet because I think that, that you know, that that would be a reasonable thing for your mind to say, I can move faster in this vehicle. I'm going to yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Gonna stay in oh, this yeah. vehicle and take off. Well, because, well, because I think the panic thing, it even says in the condition, you move by your fastest means possible. If you have teleport, you teleport to a known safe place. If you have super speed, <clears throat> rear end and elbows, as they would say. And I'm saying that, saying that first part politely. Ramsey's character had a robotechnology car that could turn into a mech. He put the pedal to the metal. <laughs> they were fighting, a, I believe, a Wendigo. So, you know, those fear demons up uh, of Inuit mythology. Right. So, yeah. No, it, it scared the bejesus out of him, and he he burned rubber. <laughs> we're all like, where are you going? And no, right. Mike. And yeah. Yeah. So right. yeah. panicked. It's, yeah, you move until the effect is gone or you are far enough away. So. Right. That's and, the current fear spell. It can be nasty. Yeah. Yeah, and it depends. And again, it depends on the system that you're using as to who's going to be the most likely to be affected by it. You know, if you're talking yep. about TriTac, everybody is. Okay, there. It just depends on your magic resistance. Uh, or, uh, but if if you're talking about D and D, the early D and D. Uh, you were, uh, it, it was like save versus spell or yeah. probably, uh, I think that was the, the save versus spell. So the fighter types had the worst save versus spell. So your, your meat shields, your bricks, they were all running yep. away, leaving your very frangible, uh, 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 mages and, and clerics, uh, standing around going, Oh, great. You know, let's shove the thief up there with his you know leather. <laughs> yeah. Okay. To protect us against these, these 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 critters that just cause fear. Okay. And there's lots of things that cause fear in in, in a lot of these games. Undead causes oh, yeah. fear. Um, 
uh, werewolves and, and, and dragons especially cause fear. If you're below a certain level, you automatically run away. You don't even get a chance at it. You don't get a well, I love, just turn around. I love what they do now with fighters in Pathfinder, and I'm not sure if they had in 3035, but they have it in Pathfinder 1E. You have bravery, which adds a plus one. Oh, you like the deep voice? Bravery. The plus one versus fear effects, and it builds like every four levels, you get another plus one. So the fighter now can stand there and withstand the nasty things because he has a bonus to fear saves. I like that, and it negates what you just talked about from earlier editions of uh, D&D fighters. Right. They've added that as a class feature for the fighter class now. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. they got and, rid of that. Yeah, got yeah. rid of the thing you talked about. In, in D20 Modern, uh, which it wasn't just a D20 Modern, that's the one where I saw it the most, uh, because I was working with that for the D20 edition of Fringeworthy of Bureau 13. They have a, oh, they have, yes. they have a feat called Frightful Presence. Oh yeah, and, so it's which is considered an exceptional ability. Okay, well, it says the the very presence of this creature is unsettling to its foes. Okay, and uh, and and a check takes effect automatically when uh, this creature per performs some kind of dramatic action, such as charging, attacking, even snarling. Okay, opponents within range who witness the action may become shaken and you know which means you you know you're basically the equivalent the of minus uh, two yeah yeah, yeah minus, minus two, two for ball. sure okay they yep. you know oh, and yeah. then uh the, the immediate range is 10 feet though it, it could be larger and the duration is 1d6 plus three rounds however at the end of it you have to make another check it isn't like oh okay i lasted the nine rounds and now i'm immune to it no you keep having to save until you you know until you save against it okay um it says uh and of course uh now any person can resist uh the effects with a successful will save which in the case of really powerful creatures like elder mellers like the you know the the great mellers the master meller yeah yeah, well, the yeah 10 foot tall built like a you know brick uh outhouse okay DC yeah. 26 will save. Have, oh, have yeah, I remember good, that. Good luck at, at resisting that one. So, and, and a person who is uh, succeeds on that saving throw is now immune uh, for uh, for that frightful presence for 24 hours. And but it I is, also like the, the one sentence here. This ability affects only opponents with fewer hit dice or levels than the creature has. So, yeah, if you're high enough level, it doesn't bother you anyways. Other than that, no, you're you're... Sauce for the goose, so to speak. Right. Well, yeah. that's kind of the idea of the dragon. You know, the dragon just being so, its presence was so scary that as soon as you saw the dragon, I just think the range of 10 feet is a little bit too limiting. Uh, I, I would. Well, I would with dragon, well, with dragons, it's a variable by their age category. And I want to say it's. Yeah, because the older they are, the 30 bigger feet they are. Yeah. Well, yeah, 30 feet times their age category, and that's one through 12. Yeah. So. A great worm dragon, that's three. You get within 360 feet and it glares at you and you're, abba, 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 abba. Yeah. yeah. You're shaking or panic depending okay. on your, your four more hit die. Yeah. All I'm saying is, is that, you know, it, you know, if you use frightful presence, don't feel like you have to, like, be rules is written. Okay. I mean, the whole point of it is to scare you when you suddenly realize the. The if not the you know the, the intuitive truth that that you know that, that you're gonna that you're begging for an, for a butt whipping okay so <laughs> just by being here this is you are endangering your life sanity and everything else just by being near this creature okay so it and you know is and it's it's important to know I mean it's like you know um and, and and I don't think it has to be like something that major like that. I mean, you know, there's times when, like for example, you see the puppy, you know, the dog, and it's you know, bar, and all of a sudden, the hair, you know, the hair rusts up on the back of its back. It hunkers down. His tail goes down. His ears go back, and it opens his mouth and starts growling at you. To me, that's a good example of a you know of a fearful presence, and and a and a, a common dog which is not normally given this ability, but I'm just saying I could see it getting it under certain circumstances, especially in a horror situation where, you know, the, you know, the, the, uh, Count Strahd's Mastiffs, 
okay, which normally just seemed completely implacable and no big D, all of a sudden they reveal themselves for the, you know, the feral monsters that they are. And you're just like, I was just petting him yesterday. What was I thinking? Why do I still have a hand? Let me leave now. Yeah. So yeah. And why and why am I reminded of the Farscape? Line from Crichton Kicks, Red Rover, Red Rover, send Cujo on over. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org, colon, 802.